conquer local. It's really a breath of fresh air. Good times. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Hosted by Jeff Tomlin. Welcome to the Conquer Local podcast. Our show features successful sales leaders, marketers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who will inspire you with their success stories. Each episode is packed with practical strategies as our guests share their secrets to achieving their dreams. Listen in to learn the highlights of their remarkable accomplishments and get tips to revamp, rework, and reimagine your business. Whether you're a small business owner, a marketer, or aspiring entrepreneur, the Conquer Local podcast is your ultimate guide to dominating your local market. Tune in now to take your business to the next level. I'm your new host, Jeff Tomlin, and on this episode, we're pleased to welcome Jorge Elzade. Jorge is our R&D Senior Manager at PepsiCo. He has over 22 years of experience and is passionate about coaching people in their career progression. With a background in chemistry and quality assurance roles, Jorge discovered a new calling towards working with others through Toastmasters, project management certification, mentoring, and leading teams. During the pandemic, he led his team in the implementation of virtual and remote auditing techniques. And through Coaching for Leaders Academy, he learned to map his goals to daily actions, which landed him an internal job change and promotion to digital solutions team leader. Jorge's mid-career change demonstrates the transferability of skills, such as project management and team leadership, and the power of small but diligent daily effort applied relentlessly to realize one's goals. Get ready, Conquerors, for Jorge Alzate, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Jorge, it is amazing to have you here in the Conquer Local Podcast. I want to start off by thanking you for taking some time out of uh, your very valuable, precious time to, and uh, carving off some time in your schedule to join us here today and have a quick chat. Thank you very much, Jeff. I'm very honored that I was asked to be a guest on, on the Conquer Local podcast. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I can only imagine what it's like to work for such an iconic brand like PepsiCo. And uh, you've had, it sounds like you've had an amazing tour of duty there. You've been there for 20 years. Um, so take the, take the audience through a little bit of what it's been like at PepsiCo for that period of time. Um, and maybe some of the some of the highlights uh, from 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 your time there over the years. Yeah, I've got to go back into the history books. Definitely, I have an analytical chemistry background, master's science, master's science in analytical chemistry. I, so I started working in the lab in the flavor lab. That's where I started my career. And what attracted me to stay there those years was the was the opportunity to work with global partners. It's a truly global organization. It's a multinational, multinational organization. So having partners in different countries like Pakistan, Uruguay, Mexico, and they can come visit us in our lab and having the opportunity to interact with people in different cultures, countries, has always uh, motivated me, given me great satisfaction. You know, prepping for those meetings, I remember someone told me, hey, you need to read this book, Kiss, Bow, and Shake Hands. And which teaches you how to greet people with different cultures and actually using that, you know, someone from Pakistan, if it's a female, don't offer your hand to shake it because that's bad for the culture, bad for the interaction. 
bad for the introduction. That must so be that, like so much things. to learn. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and I do have a background. Um, my parents are from Colombia and South America, but there are certain countries that in, in that whole region of the world where it's expected that you kiss someone of the opposite sex on, sex on the opposite cheek as a greeting every day. And that's part of the culture, but only certain countries. So it's, it's, you got to keep track of all that. That's a lot to, to keep track of. And so you're, you're a lifelong learner. And what, one of the amazing things that people go through in their careers is, is chains and changes and shifts in the career, learning new, new roles, and new aspects. And you changed, you know, from a QA type role, uh, over into it and, uh, and that path, talk a little bit about what it was like transitioning some of the challenges it was like, uh, transitioning inside of a, uh, you know, a massive organization like PepsiCo. Yeah, I guess one of the drawbacks or impetuses when you're working in a large organization is you see other people moving in their career, uh, getting promoted. So that was a definitely motivation for me. So what do I need to get promoted or, or advance my career? Because I technically I was sound, but there were some soft skills that I needed. And that's something that I worked on is, is my management skills, um, networking skills as well, but always being aware of what are those transfer, transferable skills that you can apply to any role as a, as a QA, a professional. I, I'm well-versed in Lean, a Six Sigma. I took on project management certification. So having that in my toolbox allowed me to look at different roles but this 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 transformation that I did from QA over to IT, I'm very proud of because it's relatively late in my career, and I I approached that with deliberate intention. Deliberate intention using outside help. I went, I joined something called the Leadership Academy that's led by Dave Stahoviak. It's a year-long program, and what they do is help you understand what it is you want out of your career. What is it you truly want? Where do you see yourself in three years? Write that down. And then also align on what are you doing every day? What is your daily activity that you're accountable for to get you to that goal? Following that plan is really what got me to be the primary candidate for this role that I'm on. It's about liaison with IT and the R&D and scientists and engineers that have to work on building digital solutions. So that's that's what, that's the transformation that I'm very happy about. I, I love the process. You know, very early in my career, I, I got similar advice uh, to write down your goals and where you want to be. And it, it's, it seems like a simple act, but uh, the, the act of writing them down turns them from an abstract idea which is essentially just a hope or a wish into all of a sudden something concrete. It's actually a plan as soon as they're down and on physical paper uh, and you can refer to them. And it, I'm, I'm sure you found the same thing. Yeah. Right. And then, and then sharing them with others, yeah. which is a scary activity. 
uh, because now people are looking at, you know, you're being judged in, in my own mind. So that really uh, puts this, you know, forward in, in my, my account, my, my self accountability. And that's what helped me move I, forward. I was just going to say that, that that probably improves your your own accountability when you share it out, and then all of a sudden it isn't just something that you know about. You know that other people know about your your, your plans too. Yeah, just that, so that's a simple, but I think that that sounds like a very powerful uh, tool to help you realize the the, the goals and where you want to go. Um, give people a sense of the size and scope of the Pepsi uh, co organization. It truly, it, it's a it's a massive multinational enterprise. It is, it is. Well, we're split out into beverages and snacks, foods, if, if you will. Three hundred thousand employees. Wow. Not only including R and D, but supply chain, you know, the bottling operations, um, engineering, procurement. Almost in every country of the world, we have a presence. Uh, we have certain R and D centers located in, in specific countries, where that's where I focus my career, my interaction is on the research and development centers. So those are in, in parts of the world. We have one in North America, we have in Europe, we have in AMISA and in, in, in APAC as well. I, I couldn't imagine the, the systems that have to be in place to communicate and align everybody in an organization of that size. It's definitely a struggle to have a global reach and then to expect, you know, global outcomes when you're, when you're working locally. Yeah. Um, so having that mindset of, yeah, we are a global company, but we need to act locally. It, and someone, the roles that I've been in have been global roles. So those, that's always a struggle is how do you ensure that that the local, the region needs are being heard. Yeah. That they're feeding what the initiative, the global initiatives are. So th there, there's a PepsiCo way. So t talk a, a little bit about the, about the principles that are in place to help keep alignment in the organization. Yeah, that the PepsiCo way are a set of behaviors that help govern the culture. It, de it defines the culture. And what that translates into activity is we're all on the same page. There's seven behaviors, things like act as owners, uh, be consumer centric, voice your opinions fearlessly, raise the bar on talent and diversity, act with integrity, celebrate success, focus and get things done fast. <clears throat> A couple of the ones that I've helped, I've used in my career are voice opinions fearlessly and raise the bar on talent and, and diversity. For example, on raise the bar on talent and diversity, uh, that's about helping as a leader, helping others with critical experiences. So if you're a data analyst and you've been working on the same you know, work for, for eight, 10 years, and now you wanna grow your career, well, you need experience doing something else. We all know that when you when you work in a different role, you open up, you you broaden your knowledge. So ensuring that if I'm going to have this person on my team that wants to work on a critical experience for three months, six months, that that's okay with our the senior leaders, and they all point to oh, we're raising the bar on talent. So yeah, it's okay, definitely, it's expected that this person is going to leave their role for three to six 
months, work on something else to become better and we're strengthening our bench that way. You know, the, these types of foundational things are so important in building uh, and maintaining uh, a company's brand to, you know, align behavior. And I've been in a lot of organizations, especially early in my career, where, you know, we did the things to create sort of, you know, purpose, vision, mission, principles, uh, or core values to align uh, an organization. But they ended up being things sort of stuck on a wall. And we didn't incorporate them into you know, the actual operations of the business and incorporate them. So, you know, can you, can you point to, you know, outcomes that you, you've noticed by incorporate them, incorporating them into your leadership style and your practices? Oh, for sure. For me, it was voice opinions fearlessly. And that sounds like, like, well, you, if, if you don't, if you don't agree, just raise your voice and, and say, say, what is your different opinion? But it's not that easy because you've got to do it in the right context. And there is a framework that one can follow. Example is I came into a new role that was a remote role. And I had a team working in a different country. And I was reporting to a new manager who happened to be in that same country. And my team was saying, well, this new director, he, he's coming to us, telling us what we need to do, what, what, our, what our goals and, and objectives are, and kind of bypassing me. So I saw what the impact on my team was. It was it was causing disruption, and it was not allowing me to take control of my team, to to, to be in charge of my team, to, to fulfill my role. So I gathered all this evidence and impact and and uh, effects, and I prepared myself to have a courageous conversation with my new boss, to voice my opinions fearlessly, and I did that. I I told him what he was doing. What, what it was causing for the team, what, if, what, what were the results that his actions were and what I expected. And I told him, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to say. I've never spoken to anyone like this before, but I'm telling you because I care about the team and I care about the success that, that we're looking to do. And he was, he was on board totally. He was on board totally. Uh, he was not you know, uh, offended or insulted, which was some of my fears. And he became a, a trusted advisor even now in my career. Well, weight of the world must have lifted off your shoulders after forcing yourself to go outside of your comfort zone and have that conversation. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, I can only imagine the number of different, well, you've got 300,000 people at PepsiCo, just a law of big numbers. There are a lot of personalities there. And I can only imagine that getting alignment sometimes is, <sighs> is a little bit tough. Um, uh, you know, you, you indicated in previous conversation that you use humor in such, some situations to sort of break down barriers to, to, to groups a little bit. So talk a little bit about how you, how you can, you know, break down walls and silos in, inside of, you know, a pretty complex organization. Yeah, I definitely use humor. It, it, I have an irreverent streak. So one, one thing that I've done just recently is we're working on a difficult project where it's two sides, two business units, one has separated out and we're, we're tapped. My, my team is tasked with taking their data out of, out of our, our software systems. And it's a very manual task that requires resources that we don't have. So I was on a call with, with both teams and we were giving them the bad news that we're not resourced to do this. We can't do it. And I knew that they were going to say the same thing 
that they weren't going to do it. They didn't realize they were responsible for it. So I've got a bunch of faces on, on my Zoom, Zoom call and they're not looking, they're not happy, they're frowning. And it's just about labeling the situation, you know, calling out the elephant in the room. And I said, well, it looks like we're a standoff at the OK Corral. And as soon as I said that, people, people started laughing, you know, and, and there was a little more, there was some levity because we're just calling out the elephant in the room and we're, we're saying what, what, what we're, we're all feeling. That's, that's a good situation. One that I'm, I'm really proud of that I did with a supplier. I had to approve suppliers back in the pandemic. We were doing virtual auditing, weren't used to the technology. And I... I was on a call with a supplier. I had their QA guy on, on camera. I had the CEO. It's a small company. I had the CEO and, and the, the finance person off. They didn't have their cameras on. Auditing a supplier can be contentious. It's, it seems like it's a fight. And I've, I've, I did 10 years of it. And what you're trying to do is you're asking for documentation. They don't want to give it to you. It, it feels like that you're coming in, invading their territory. So it seems like a fight. And this happened to be the last audit that I was doing as I transitioned out to a new role. They didn't know that, but I knew that. Yeah. And I got on a call and I said, you have options here. You can give me this document or we can do a full audit. Nobody wants to do a full audit because we have to do it virtually. But if you give me the document right now, if you turn that over to me, I'll take my gloves off and I'll leave them in the center of the ring and I'll walk away. <laughs> as soon as I said that, the CEO's camera went on, the, 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 the finance person's camera went on. You can see the big smile. They were laughing. And it turned out to be, it turned out to be a really good, a smooth audit in, in the pandemic. So, yeah, that's, that's just one way. Just use humor. That, you know, another great example. It seems like simple, but especially at work, when we all have so many things to do, Sometimes it's hard to break out of work mode and people are just work mode and, and then you can create, there's, there's, you know, we have fixed resources in all of our organizations and that creates tension. And so there's, there's always natural tension and natural tension between, uh, you know, competing uh, groups that are trying to get different things done. It's, you know, such a good tip just to incorporate some hu sense of humor to, to just, you know, break the tension and bring people back to, you know, well, hey, what are we trying to achieve or what do, what do we need to do? You know, funny story, I was, um, you know, in my yard doing some yard cleanup and uh, I had more things to do that day than, than I wanted on my list. And some guy pulled up in a van and got out of his van and started walking into the, you know, to my backyard. And, and because of the state that I was in, you know, I said, oh, what does this guy want? And uh, he came to the gate and I said, hey, what can I do for you? And he goes, look, I got a truck here full of frozen meat and a bunch of bad jokes. Want to come take a look? And instantly I said, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> and that was Sealand Foods and they, and they, they have, you know, a mobile sales force and they, they come by and instantly I, you know, I went from grumpy pants to, yeah, I'm in. And then I spent way more money than I should have. <laughs> but, so you were on the receiving end of the manipulation. <laughs> I, I was on the receiving end, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm always one for a good joke, and uh, it's a, always a way to get my attention and snap me out of something. Uh, you talk about some of the other you know important qualities that have made you a successful project manager, and, and, and you know 
such a massive organ organization. Yeah, being a project manager in the in the QA space was tough because in R and D in PepsiCo we have certain segments uh, units that do use project management. You know, IT is one of them. Product development is one of them. But in QA we don't. We, we don't do it's operations mostly, so we don't use the project manager. So becoming a project manager in QA was swimming up, up you know, upstream for sure. So not be careful. If there's a work initiative to be done and you see, okay, I can, I know I can do a, a little project here. Being careful not to use jargon and throwing out terms like chart, you know, project charter, work breakdown structure, things like that. Avoid that because if if you start using jargon and you and People don't understand what the value is when you're using these tools. They're going to start rolling their eyes at you, which has happened. So yeah. making sure that instead of using the the, the, the processes, uh, procedures, and, and all that, uh, ensure that the value is clear of, of why we're doing it, of what it's going to get us if we if we commit the resource to, to doing that i remember early in my career when i when i learned all the jargon and the lingo i felt like i was competent right and so i doing exactly what you're describing i was throwing it out left right and center made me feel smart and uh yeah, yeah it has the opposite effect it it definitely does have the opposite effect especially when you're talking when you're trying to manage up and you're trying to influence without authority but that can also happen when you do have authority and you happen to be in charge of a project and that's when you need to know the subtle difference between management and leadership yeah. and i'm curious i'm curious and maybe so solomon warned you that I, I i like these podcast tv conversations yeah. but i'd like to ask you jeff what how would you for you what's the difference between management and leadership well you know it's a it's a it's a good question you know i think you know managers take care of of you know getting things done and, and take and managing projects um leaders to me uh you can be a leader in any type of position um in the company uh, leadership is a choice in my in my mind anyone can can decide to be a leader and um you know there's different leadership qualities that i look to and people in my team and probably the most important one is someone that makes people around them better and uh you know, there's different frameworks that we use, and oftentimes I try to simplify things by picking out the one thing that matters the most to me. But that seems to matter the most to me in teams that I, I have. Is you know, someone that makes the people around them better. I, I don't know what your experience and your favorite definition of the difference between leadership and, and management are. Yeah. yeah, that 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 part you said about making people better around you, yeah, is is for sure what I try to model and that is about knowing knowing who it's not about knowing the right answer to every question or issue or problem that's posed to you not becoming a subject matter expert that that leadership choice that yeah. you mentioned jeff is knowing who has that right answer building the right network and relationships and then bringing that person front and center so that they can provide that value empower them and recognize them so i've i've had i've tried to model that and i'm 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 okay at it but um i haven't reached the pinnacle of, of leadership yet 
Yeah, that, so that's some great advice. Um, it, the, you know, the other important thing is to know who you're talking to. And that's whether you're, you're, you're speaking outward in an organization or you're talking inward, uh, you know, to people inside of your organization and on your team. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the, the importance of knowing your audience. Because, again, massive organization must be, you know, super important to understand you know, who you're talking to and sort of the nuances of, you know, what they care about, right? Yes, definitely. There are, you, it's all about what's in it for them. Before you try to deliver a presentation or, or a proposal, understand what, what are the problems they're facing? What do they care about, like you said? And how do they like to be you know, spoken to. What, what's what's their preferred message style is also important. I'll give you an example that I just found out. Um, my new VP. My new VP is colorblind, yeah. and I just found that out. But I, I use when I'm building an Excel or a project plan, I use colors everywhere because I want to differentiate what's, yeah. what's important. Yeah. You know, so I gotta, I have to adjust my messaging to minimize the use of colors, maybe, you know, some different fonts or, or sizes, because I'm assuming that everybody can see the colors the way I can. So that's really about knowing who you're, who you're speaking to, what your, what your audience is. Nice nuance. Nice nuance. Uh, what, are, what are some of the exciting things that you got going on at PepsiCo right now? It's never about, well, this one, this one has been in the news, you know, and something that, that Vendasta, has has done as well is uh, acquiring companies. Yeah. And as you know, PepsiCo yeah. had a partner has a partnership with Frito Quaker. Those it, it's it's made up of many different business units. So we've made uh, the company has made good success inroads in acquiring companies and making good use of their products and resources and, and reach. But we, just recently, we had to divest one. And that oh. this was in the news. It's it's the Tropicana juice uh, portfolio. Right, right, right. And that's just part of the normal. That's part of the normal business cycle. But yeah. the way it impacts R and D is is unique, because when you when you acquire a company or you're going to use their people, you're going to use their resources. How do you integrate that into your into your company into your portfolio? But now we're doing the opposite, and we weren't built for that, <laughs> especially yeah. in the digital space. Our software applications have been operating for over 20 years, you know, one big happy, but now we've got to take the data out and hand it over. And that's really been a challenge because there's no clear plan. So that's something that I've, I've cut my teeth on as a project manager is when there's ambiguity, when there's uncertainty, um, you got to fall back on, on a plan. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. have a plan, you're not going to succeed. You know, um, the, the leaders that we're fortunate enough to have on the Conquer Local podcast, they you know, share so much amazing information and nuance you know, throughout the, the, the quick chats that we have. If there's one takeaway that you wanted to leave people with, that'd be the one thing that you want to uh, part in, in people's minds as we, uh, as we cut away. The one takeaway is whatever segment you're in, sales, marketing, R&D, you are a leader. You are, if you're not a leader of people, you are a leader of processes. If you're not a leader of processes, you're a leader of yourself. And to ensure that you are the best leader, it's very important to reflect on things that may be holding you back. 
uh, baggage that you're carrying uh, because people that you haven't forgiven, which is my example. And I had to do that. I had to really do that because it was affecting the way I was assessing risk, the way I was doing my job. And I didn't know it. I didn't know. I needed somebody to tell me that um, you're, you're not, you're not really a leader. And that was, that was a difficult um, realization that I made, but it's, it's up to you. You can work on it yourself. And just recently I listened to the HBR podcast, uh, Astro Teller from X was on it describing the Thrive program that they have, yeah. where they take high potential leaders and they take them through a nine month program, which is exactly that. It's, it's reflecting, um, it's profiling, understanding what's holding you back from unleashing your creativity, um, your, 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 your ability to, to, to be objective. Uh, so that's something that I did on my own. Um, it's it's a, it was a 10 year journey uh, and I'm always a work in progress. So I would offer to your listeners um, to think about that type of path. If you're looking to advance your career, uh, just to ensure that you know who you are, um, you're okay with it and you're, you're, you're as positive as you can be with your past and your present and you're ready to move forward in, for the future. What a great note to end on, uh, Jorge. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you for a few minutes here on the podcast, getting to know you a little bit. If people had some follow-up questions and wanted to reach out to you, how could they contact you? <laughs> Pretty easy to contact. I'm not, I told Salim I'm not selling anything. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a senior manager for R&D, PepsiCo R&D. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. So reach out to me there, connect with me. If, if this podcast helped you, you have any questions, I'll, I'll be glad to respond to you. Sounds good. It's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for sharing some of your very valuable time. That's it. And uh, another edition on the Cocker Local podcast. Cheers. Thank you, Jeff. Looking forward to hearing it. Developing transferable skills is crucial for career advancement. Jorge Alzade's experience shows that soft skills like management, networking, and working skills are just as important as technical skills. He highlighted the need to focus on developing transferable skills that can be applied in any role to help advance your career. For example, he took learnings from Lean and adopted them to transform from QA to IT. He also took the Leadership Academy by Dave Stoviak to align on what he wanted out of his career and follow that plan to progress. For instance, Jorge's work with global partners in different countries like Mexico and Pakistan has taught him the importance of understanding and celebrating cultural differences. While it might be challenging to have a global reach and expect global outcomes when you're working locally, it's essential to ensure that the needs of each region are heard. As a leader, he focuses on raising the bar on talent encourages his team members to voice opinions fearlessly and celebrates their successes often. If you've enjoyed Jorge's episode discussing the PepsiCo way, lifelong learning and leadership, keep the conversation going and revisit some of the older episodes from the archives. Episode 533, Emotional Intelligence with Colleen Stanley, or episode 446, The Five Levels of Leadership and the Universal Aspire Model to Coaching with John Hoskins. Until next time, I'm Jeff Tomlin. Get out there and be awesome, everyone.
You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Suleiman Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Nicole Lozon, and Suleiman Adam. Executive producers, Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Suleiman Adam. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.